and welcome to episode 24 of the Pro Painted podcast. Uh, it's me, uh, Matthew Lyons, and I'm joined this episode as I gave a shout out on Twitter. Finally, the stars have aligned and we've managed to get uh, a super special guest on the show, which is none other than Aaron Bailey. How are you? Hi, mate. How's it going? Very Did well. Did you just call me special? You are special. I almost, I was so close to using your, your nickname. Well, your old TBS nickname, but I think we'll, we'll kind of keep that off the air just, just, just for the sake of it. Probably, probably, uh, not, not the best connotations. Um, but yeah, we've had a, a bit. Obviously, you are the Painting Masters 2018. Um, Painting Master 2018, not Masters. Um, so we've been trying to kind of get together for a little while. Unfortunately, I think a couple of things have, causes issues such as you were ill i had stuff fucking up so but yeah we're no voice for a week or so so it's not too bad i suppose just over a month since the event which it seems way way long ago. yeah it does <laughs> doesn't seem like 30 days ago and um we've also got mr gilmore there in the background big Gilly. yes uh, hi matt hi aaron you okay yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Good, um, so good, we have organised this on a non-football day, so Ian shouldn't suddenly disconnect <laughs> as all the That's football right. youths turn up and steal his Wi-Fi connect. Well, his uh, 4G <laughs> connection. Yeah, but hopefully there'll be some sirens. Oh yeah, this That's... Is good. That's guaranteed, mate. Yeah, hopefully it's fan favourite, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, if um, they're not there because something else is happening, I'm sure you'll you'll cause some kind of issue. You know, maybe do a drug deal outside and. You know, get get the police on board. We, we know we can rely on you for that. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so this episode, um, it's going to be same format as before. One of our guest chats. We're going to have a good chat with Ian. Um, going to kind of talk about the the painting masters event, which I ran uh, back on the weekend of the 11th to 13th of January. So as I said, just just over about a month or so ago. Um, also, we've just been to a bit of a narrative event, um, Fate of Sigma, which Paul Buckler ran down in Dorset. So we'll kind of cover that a bit because that does roll into my my hobby that I've been up to. Um, and then I think Ian's going to kind of briefly mention Santa's Hangover, um, which he which he which he was in um, alongside um, the painting masses that I was running. So yeah, should be, it should be good with a strong focus on the old painting. And I think people are really keen to to kind of hear from. Aaron so um as we go on do you want Ian do you want to kind of let us know what you've been up to the hobby wise since in the couple of weeks since we last recorded um I've been prepping stuff for extinction which is gonna this is a major deadline at the moment well, we're all gonna die so, uh, yeah <laughs> so Armageddon um <laughs> so I've done a rebased a giant an old school metal giant from well so the medium school, not the oldest one. Um, yeah, but you've also, so it's, it looks worse. Like it had some oh, s- sweet, almost like Indian, like black stripe uh, across its eyes, war paint. And yeah. it seems quite extreme that you've just painted over that. It doesn't look like it was ever there, but I really like that. Yeah, I just decided I wanted to change. Um, I painted a um, bad moon tattoo on his back as well. Yeah, which cool. after fi- after finishing, I decided I didn't like, and I painted over that as well. Amazing. Um, um, <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was a useful evening of wasting a couple so of hours. You pa- rebased, overpainted, painted, and then repainted a giant. Yes, that's like yeah. that, you, if, so, you, if you had a painting list, you could put like three things down for that. I have. <laughs> um, so done that, um, which is I think did I put, I think I put pictures on Twitter. I think. Yes. Um, 
and I've painted a, I don't know why I've painted it, but I decided um, to paint a fungoid cave shaman, which was um, quite a nice project as a distraction, mm. but it's such a, such a weird model to paint because there's just so much going on. Um, it's very just lots of random bits which need lots of different colours. Yeah, you can't, can't really keep to a scheme like an army scheme with that, can you? You just got to have loads of colours on it because there's too much stuff. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense. Odd if you painted it all the same colours. Yeah, that, that's totally it. Because um, yeah, the more because there's lots of things like the like the spot colours and the rest of the army. If you just kept it to it, just wouldn't look good. Wouldn't look right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so just went. Yeah, just decided pretty much used all the colours on it. Um, I've been playing around with some um, for the centipedes, which is on his cloak and on his staff. Um, I tried some of the colour shift paints, which are like metallics, but they reflect the light in different ways and they change colour as you move it around, which I'm quite happy with, actually. Um, I think they need to be quite used in quite small doses and with the right models. Um, but yeah, I think the effect's pretty cool. Yeah, quite like it. I was just. How have you approached using them? Because from what I've seen from coverage so far, there's a lot of kind of little videos people do. They literally just seem to just paint a layer of that over something, and then they go, "Oh, look at this cool color shift." But to me, it just makes it look quite like a toy. Have you tried to tie it in with colors? Does that make sense? You've, have you actually painted with it, kind of? Um, I no, just um, I painted over glossed black. Right. So there's a layer of gloss varnish first, and then multiple thin layers. Um, I might go back and do some black lining in between where the different segments are, but there's no real. It's kind of weird when you look at it. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it needs any mm. extra highlighting because weird, it captures light. What would you shade it with or highlight it with? It's it's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, because I think it just throw off the effect. I feel yeah. I feel like you could do selected washes on it for certain. It, it, although it has that effect, it just it, I I feel it loses a lot of depth. Yeah, I think what it potentially could be highlighted and shaded with was is different colour shift paints. Mm. So you it's it's a similar um, like the. Um, formulation between the different paints, but because they've got different shades, it it um, what's that word um, makes it more extreme. Right. Okay. Because um, I did the the antenna I've done in a on the um, centipede I've done in a with the like more of a pinky tone, and that that works really well, even though it's like a just yeah. So I think it uh, potentially strong, something could be done. It's quite a strong con- contrast then between the colour of the... Yeah. What, what, what You say colour shift, what, what kind of colour does it give the centipede? So it's, um, it, it goes from turquoise to a quite a muted pinky colour. Right. Um, so it's like a... Um, you've seen pictures, like microscope pictures of a fly and it's his eyes. Yeah. It's like that, okay. that kind of colours, yeah, like a blue bottle type, yeah, that kind of greeny to Coffee pink colour. Color. Okay, yeah. And which paints have you used? Because I know there's a few of these available. You might want, you might want to close your ears at this oh, point. Oh, yeah, you're going to say. <laughs> it's uh, I used Green Stuff Worlds, oh. which have um, they're, they're, they're tidy, yeah, they're fine. 
Um, the irony them. is, I feel like those guys should be sponsoring this fucking podcast, <laughs> right? If they weren't such dicks, then I probably would reach out to them by now. It's mental. It's yeah. more memorable. You're giving them more credit by bringing it up. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <moaning about. laughs> Free sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. But every time uh, we say something's good, you, you say they're horrible. So it swings in roundabouts. You complain about their product and they just block you on Facebook, on um, eBay. You can't buy anything from them. It's amazing customer service. Anyway. So, yeah. anyway. so that's what I've been clients. up to. I want to see um, someone do one of those new orc like wagons, like a racing car one. Right. Because you see those wankers with the colour shift cars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good actually. Red <laughs> colour shift. Ian's going for that. <laughs> yeah, you have to get the air, have to get an airbrush, spray it with a red to green colour shift paint. I don't think I put it through an airbrush. There's some things I just don't feel happy putting through airbrush. It's, in, it's, in, it's intended for airbrush, I think. I know, but I don't know. I'm not. I I would be reticent. That's just me. Um, well, I, before we get onto what Aaron's been up to, I'll I'll kind of cover my cover my hobby. So, um, <clears throat> so last episode I covered finishing my Deepkin army for the Curtain Masters. So that's done. Um, so the next deadline I had for the year was getting my tabletop standard um, Temple of Set. So my Daughters of Cain army uh, finished for Paul's narrative event, which was Fate of Sigma, which is actually a free event. Um, and as I mentioned, the format of the event itself is there were, I think he ended up with 14 players. Um, I think there was about six to eight GMs um, and the GMs literally stood by the, at the end of the tables and kind of told you the scenario, um, stomped around with massive dinosaurs and, and all sorts. So that was that was the format. Um, but it was completely free, which is amazing. I mean, there was no food or anything provided, but, you know, there's no cost. So it, it, it was really good. Um, and. As we've, again, we've covered before, Paul actually dictated the list. So he said, this is, what factions would you like to play? Uh, and I, I'd said like Caradron and I like to do my goblins or, but top of the list was I'd like to do daughters and I'd like to do a kind of a temple nest theme. So that's how I ended up with the daughters on it. I didn't own it before the event. Um, I picked it all up after Paul sent me the list. Um, so I also contacted the guys over at Mercia. So I ended up with uh, a blood rat shrine, which is a massive, great uh, snake model from Mercia miniatures. Um, I had two avatars of Kane just running around by themselves, which I called my avatars as set, which which again, the two miniatures from um, Mercia, which I had converted slightly so the weapons were a bit more aos a bit more fantasy. Um, and they used spare bits from uh, a couple of the Daughters of Cain kits and um, some of the Namati thralls as well, because they were quite cool looking swords. Um, so they were kind of the, the non-GW part of it. And the rest of it was two units of Blood Sisters, two units of Blood Stalkers uh, at Medusa, and four Celestial Snake Swarms, which are the real old school, janky, metal, weird looking, like lizards and stuff on the square bases which yeah. never really came over to aos but there's still a war scroll for them um jungle swarms yeah jungle swarms yeah that, that'd be the right the older older terminology for it um and i use the i got a couple of donations of the um the snakes that come off the um bastilodon kit uh, for the option that nobody ever uses where it spits out snakes at people um and i've basically put those on some um 
some ruin kind of elven architecture resin bits uh, which i picked up from a uh, i can't remember the supplier now um which I've got the, that temple ruins across the whole whole board, so I had to get that all done. Luckily, I didn't have that much to do. I just had a unit each of the, the sisters because I'd been putting together the army for uh, Matt Clark's Highlander campaign. There can only be one. Um, but kind of getting all the basing done, the basing is a lot more intensive than I remember it when you need to do it. Like, even just 10 bases, it takes ages because of different textures and colours on there. And I definitely really want to try out what Ian mentioned last episode, which is spraying black, like or black or greys um, through the airbrush, like through stretched out wire wool. I really, really want to see what that looks like. I just in my head, it sounds amazing. Yeah, um, it looked good when I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. So be interested to see how you, what you um, come up with. Yeah, I definitely want to give mm. that a shout. And um, I also, for the event itself, Paul said that there'll be. Um, I would have a, there'll be a, one of the scenarios would be a dungeon or a few of the scenarios would be a dungeon because my army's basically themed around Conan. Um, so I decided to, uh, initially I was going to make a dungeon itself. Um, I've got my, my laser engraver, so I could have cut out tiles and all sorts, but I just simply ran out of time with other projects. So we used some kind of D and D, um, floor plans that you can buy. So he put it all together for me. But what I did pick up, which was quite interesting was, um, I picked up a set of the, AOS objectives um, so that's the plastic kits that's like the the stormcast statue with the corn axe in its head and, and all that stuff and they're really really nice uh, kind of sat there painting it's not my best stuff it's just done to like um, <clears throat> terrain standard basically but they're really nice kits I'm actually really impressed with them um, particularly when I compared them to something else I bought I bought basically a dungeons accessory box um, it's done by Mantic and I got like the wizard sanctum one. Um, and I think for what it is, it's fine. It was 25 quid. Um, it gives you like loads of bookcases and all this like stuff. You just find like a wizard's wizard sanctum, I guess. Um, but it was really soft, like bendy plastic. And like even like this, like the bookcase is quite solid bits of plastic and they're just slightly warped. Um, and it was quite a, it was very interesting. It's not often you do a project where you paint two things at the same time from two different manufacturers. So painting like the GW objectives, which one of them has all these books, all these different books in there. So painting those um, while painting all the books on bookshelves and the quality between the two was just like night and day. Like there was so much soft detail on the Mantic stuff and they're actually a bit of a pain in the ass to paint. Like when you're trying to paint like the almost creamy or, or, or white or off-white pages of the books uh, you just there was very little definition between like the outside of the book and the inside whereas the gw ones it was just clear as day it made them so much easier to paint so it was quite that was quite an interesting thing to do um so that was what i had to do for the event so i got it all done plenty of time I actually left my army up there the day before so i didn't get tempted to kind of do any last minute additions um so that, that was that was super awesome um but then i decided that i'd just do some extra hobby um between the event because it was only up the road for me it was only like a 10 15 minute drive and the event on the saturday was going pretty well for me i'd i'm going to do bunny ears i won all my games but it's narrative so that doesn't really mean much of anything but it basically meant i achieved all my goals for that and what that meant is i ended up with an artifact so i ended up forging a ring uh, which i could put on a hero and it allowed me to heal all wounds to any model with an 18 in anyone's hero face. So that's pretty fucking good. Um, but all I had in my army was the Blood Rat Shrine, which was a massive snake. 
and a Medusa, which doesn't really have any fingers for a ring. So I just decided overnight to convert up and paint a um, a model to represent that. So I, I made my AOS version of Thorsa Doom, which is the bad guy from uh, the first Conan the Barbarian, played by uh, James Earl Jones. Just did that overnight. Um, and now I'm going to do a Shadowhammer Compact army themed on Dark Stormcasts. So it's nice. Ran, totally yeah, ran, really to cool. random hobby. Yeah. Where's the, um, where did you get the head from for that model? So a lot of people, well, a few people said, oh, it's one of the Retributor heads, but it's actually not. Yeah. It's one of the High King heads from the Deepkin kit with a crest oh. cut off. Um, not much. But I think for the rest of them, just the, because they're quite spiky, like the, I think the Retributor heads will just work fine. Um, as I add to it, because I need to add some like more of the old school Stormcast models, because the Shadowhammer compacts before like the new the new chamber was open. Um, so it's got like liberators and adjudicators and stuff in it. So I'll, I'll use those heads, and hopefully I'll be able to continue this narrative for Raw. So it gives me a little project to do for Raw, plus our super secret stuff we're doing for that as well. So, yeah. yeah, you can't have daughters and evocators, mate. No, unfortunately, not. Unfor- well, actually, I you can't can ally them. But... I, I technically can. I can just ally in a unit of 30 if I wanted yeah. to. A uh, unit of 20. No, unit of 10. Yeah, they come in. <laughs> I was trying to think. 30 is an army. <laughs> yeah, so that was um, that was a lot of fun. And that was simply I did him because I was inspired overnight. And I turned up on the Sunday and me and Paul agreed some really bent rules for him. Um, used him as baby Marathi with a three up save and running around with an avatar, a cane sword. Uh, which, for those who don't know, is four attacks, three threes, minus two rend, three damage. So um, it it didn't really matter in in the final game on the Sunday. It was a it was a big mega battle. He stood on the hill out of the way for most of it, didn't he? Yeah, fought some fire slayers, kicked their heads in, just some literally just a unit, uh, and that was it. <laughs> so yeah, that that was that was my hobby. Um, yeah, so there's nothing else to report from me. Um, what about you, Aaron? What have you been up to, kind of, uh, as we come into the start of the year? And don't don't talk about 40k. <laughs> <laughs> I started about six 40k armies this week. Amazing. It's ridiculous. Um, okay, so pretty much the same as what you just said. I followed the same journey, but with my uh, Mongol-themed destruction army. So I've got a mix of goblins, orcs, and ogres that are all mounted as the mongols had like they're famous for their horse horse archers and yeah uh, mounted warfare basically so I've, i took that theme after watching marco polo uh and thought this would be awesome to do with greenskins and ogres um so the same events that you've been to but uh, paul's narrative event he gave us a list and i had uh stonehorn huskard a nice. thundertusk beast rider and two mournfang for like the ogre tribe I uh, had Ina Tembor Boys and a custom war scroll, which was a Megaboss on Boar Chariot. Oh, was he a Megaboss? I didn't realise that. That's cool. Yeah, it was a Megaboss, but with only a four up save. Yeah. And he had the uh, command ability off the normal Oruk the ones because one. I didn't have any Iron Jaws in my army. So it would have been kind of pointless. But uh, it's because of the weapon options on him. He, had, he has like a fist with claws on it and a massive axe, so what a Megaboss has basically. And you've used a, a model that you don't see very often? Yes, yeah, the the uh, Warhammer Online, yeah. if anyone even knows or remembers that. <laughs> have, yeah, I've got... I've, it's the one with the little shame, and I'm just sitting on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's called Gr- Grumlock and Gazbag, the model's called. It's a really cool yeah. model. 
yeah, I've got that to paint somewhere. It came on a 25 mil square base, but it fills up like a 50. <laughs> so I mounted him on a Iron Blaster chariot chassis with the, uh, what's it called, the Rhinox? I've done this conversion before where you cut the Rhinox's head off and use a boar head from the boar boys kit. Yeah, copied from me, obviously. No, I did it first. No, have you even done that? Well, not a Rhinox. Uh, yeah. No, I did it with my um, my Ashmane oh, scrap fang, launcher. I did it with the Mornfang and everything, but my specifically my Ashmane scrap launcher, which was where I had. Remember, I used those Haradrim guys, all painted painted with like dark skin, for uh, the old slaughtering ground Eighth Edition army. Yeah, that's when I did mine as well, isn't it? Yeah, you just copied me. It's fine. Yeah, I feel like you might have copied me. I'm not sure. We'd have to check back in the blog. We're gonna have to check dates, aren't we? <laughs> um, so yeah I've done that conversion before I really liked the ch- I, I used it as a Savage Orc chariot in 8th edition Yeah. so now I got that in there and then I had the Goblin Contingent which was two units of wolf riders with bows for your horse archers and a Goblin Shaman on a wolf cool well talk about the obviously you talked about the army you've done and uh, you've kind of done it as a it, it's mostly kind of a tabletop standard kind of similar to similar to my daughter's but it's something you're going to push to finish fully is that right yeah it's a bit odd in that the beasts themselves are mostly just dry brushed or uh base coated and washed but like on the ogre parts all of the details and stuff are painted to actually probably better stand than anything i've painted before <laughs> um but with time constraints and stuff i've ended up uh skipping some areas so i'm gonna have to go back to that at some point um, hopefully for extinction, but I've got a load to paint for that as well. So I need to make it a legal army because there's no battle line in any of that that I just listed. No, <laughs> so yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah. I paint a minimum of thirty orcs, and I want to take Gordrak and another Sonehorn to extinction. So it's going to all be compromised on the standard, I think, Brilliant. to get it all done. Chris, not letting you a comp breaker to take your uh, take your narrative uh, allegiance <laughs> rules. It's a match play event, mate. It's not narrative, is it? So, so, so what did you? I mean, um, I, for for my army, um, I we kind of agreed pretty much on the day of the event that um, I'll mention what I, my, what happened with my army in regards to the narrative. So, one of the things that I I do I quite like rules and I like coming up with rules and I like writing rules and I, I I like that kind of side of things quite a lot. And it's something I really get to do very often. So with the Templar set, I didn't need much because his daughters are pretty good already. Um, so I agreed with Paul that I wouldn't have a temple. Uh, instead, I'd just have Temple Nest. So everything in the army had the Temple Nest rules, which is one of the battalions, which is simply roll a one to hit me in combat. You take a mortal wound. They like strike back rapidly and like rip your heart out. Um, so I had that across the whole army, which is cool. So I didn't have like Calebron for like teleporting and Hagnar for like reroll wounds, uh, reroll their saves and things. So none of that. Um, that, but no, I did have two avatars of Cain, uh, as you heard. Um, and obviously, I didn't have any prayers. There's no prayers because they're all Medusa, uh, or Medusa, I should say. So instead, we agreed that I place them on the board as like pieces of terrain, like you do with the modern armies. Um, so two cool statues go down on the board. Um, they are sinister to the enemy. Uh, within nine, they give me a plus one to charge and plus one to run. Uh, but I had each of my mages had a spell. I get within 18 of one of them on a seven up you can animate the statues so that was quite cool that was my narrative and worked really well so what about you what did you have well my my made up rules you <laughs> yeah, your, your narrative rules mate narrative so i kind of wrote um allegiance abilities for a whole new allegiance which i called beast plane striders yeah my army's from gur and the area there called the beast plains 
um, obviously to fit with the Mongol theme. Um, <clears throat> what I really wanted to get across with the rules for it was the movement of the army. Like the whole thing with the Mongols is that they would outmaneuver people. Sure. They they had one thing when I was researching it that always came up was before the battle they'd always do this thing called the arrow storm, which is they just basically shoot. You've seen three hundred where they say blot out the sun with arrows or yeah. whatever. It's basically that they just shoot a whole bunch of arrows up in the sky, and it's as much to like devastate the army morale-wise mm-hmm. as it is physically. So it sounds super filth until you see what it actually does on the table. But all all the bow armed models in my army, which at that event was only ten uh, goblin archers on wolves, uh, they double their range and get to shoot before the game but they only hit on sixes. It's like the old Love and Seed guard yeah. back in 6th or 7th Ed. Um, yeah, it sounds super filth, but like goblins hit and wound on fives with their bows, and I'm making a minus one a hit on top of that. So just like the most I've ever done is like one wound until the other day when I killed two Boingrots against Tom Hewitt, and then like a bunch of them ran away as well, because <laughs> the other effect is if you take any wounds... Uh, you're minus two bravery for the first battle round because the morale effect. Um, yeah, like I said, it sounds Brilliant. horrific, but in, I've, pract- I've been playing this army for like three or four months. <laughs> um, yeah, you have. Yeah. And it, uh, I, I've played it enough to know that it's just not that good. <laughs> uh, it's flavourful, which is what you want. It's flavourful. Yeah, exactly. Like um, I wanted it to matter a little bit in the games, but mainly it's just like to yeah add flavour. It's uh, um, the other things were to convey like the movement and manoeuvring aspect of the army I've given them it kind of ties in with the beast theme as well if I'm in my own territory then the beast units re-roll ones to wound and the rule is called cornered beast it's like you know things get more aggressive if they're cornered sure. they don't want to be pinned down like a chimera um, <laughs> it's really terrible is that a thing? no no chimera sorry manticore 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 yeah yeah uh, and if I'm in the opponent's territory, then I get reroll ones to hit instead, which is because they're like out on the hunt. They're being wild and aggressive. Um, and the final thing was the other Mongol tactic that kept coming up in my research was that they would feign retreat. Yeah. That was their tactic that won them basically all Everybody. of their battles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically if they're goblins with the bows, ever live through a combat long enough to do this if they retreat from an enemy and then the orcs on boars the lancers with the spears charge in they get rend one on their weapons in addition to uh the charge bonuses from charging with boars sure so it was just like a theme thing goblins five goblins aren't really going to stand up to very much so it's never going to matter that much but it's just just cool things yeah it's just flavor isn't it yeah, it's nothing yeah. too brilliant. Like, if you think about Silver Neff or Stormcast, I mean, their allegiance abilities are way better than the things I just listed. But yeah, yeah, yeah it was, really it was good fun, actually. Um, and the uh, like background was that Grumrock, the guy in the chariot, w- would be offended if anybody rode a bigger beast than him. <laughs> um, right. So, like, he's like the big man in the beast planes, and he's got to ride the biggest beast because that makes him the most important person sure and then first round of the tournament rock up and chris has this jurassic park table set up doesn't he with like a huge dinosaur bigger than a 
tried saurian yeah and it's locked locked in like a uh, fence thing that he had made like like jurassic park it just looked like jurassic park in aos it was awesome and i was just like yeah i have to capture that dancer <laughs> but i didn't manage it ben crow got in there didn't he he did more wounds to the big dinosaur it's called crunkzilla isn't it yes so i kind of had a narrative flop i just went over with my tails between my legs and got to think of a better plan for next time i guess a good fun event though yeah it really was and there was there was an awful lot of kind of spectacles there um there were some awesome armies well while we're talking about it we'll kind of mention it a bit further um so it was, it was three uh games on the first day um it's really hard to because it's not a match play event all the tables were themed they all had the different stories uh the guys had come up with outcomes for each game and uh people were kind of collecting these artifacts um and then we came back to the sunday um which was not one of my favorite things and it was just a mass game um it's a great big table um everyone on there um we didn't know why we were there we didn't know what was going on um we were just told you're on the blue team you're on the red team fight um and there was a couple of us with these artifacts which were the shards of sigma which were pretty mental i've mentioned mine already um unfortunately for yourself i, I had one uh, yeah but you, you didn't get the one you wanted though did you what was the one i wanted so? Frank Zilla. oh Oh no, he's he wasn't a shard, was he? He was just yeah, he was a, a shard. realm beast or something. No, he was a shard. Was he? Yeah. Well, he, he ate my shard that I had. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was pick D six units anywhere on the table and deal D six more wounds to them, which was pretty good. Pretty really pretty good it wasn't uh make your terror dice invincible but no so ben johnson <laughs> ended up with a uh with an artifact that made his terror guy no it was his um zombie dragon lord um his feck zombie dragon lord um immune to all damage other than spells and mortals which is pretty good um then he got another separate artifact which wasn't one of these more powerful shards it was a different artifact that allowed him to come back to life again and i think rich let him do it three times or something which is pretty mental um, I think he D3'd it, see how many times. Yeah, uh, so a pretty, pretty unkillable um, bro just smack, going around smashing stuff. Um, then you had Ben Crow who ended up, he did the most damage. So what Chris did in his scenario is this monster was insane. It couldn't die. Uh, he was tracking the amount of wounds. He had a really cool deck that he flipped that kind of determined what, what Krunkzilla was doing with people attacking it. And the scenario was basically who can do the most damage to, uh, to Krunkzilla, which was a Pegasus model Spinosaurus. Massive great thing. Um, that ended up being Ben Crow with his iron jaws. So Ben Crow got the dinosaur so he mounted his mega boss on it and uh, they used the runes for that volgarath the big corn dragon and popped his wounds up to 100 yeah which is pretty good um ian's just done his drug deal he has yeah he just chucks it out the window um <laughs> so that was you know that was it was a lot of fun it was, it was the, the the mass games like i said i'm not always a fan of it we had the opportunity to pop off to a little table we went through went through some realm gates did a little scenario uh could either just hand over the shards to sigma or bond with them we obviously all bonded to them came back to the big board everything died everything fell apart the realm fell apart and there was two characters left an um, avalanche 
Yeah, there was an, Paul basically got a box of polystyrene. Ian, you would have loved that. It's a box of polystyrene <laughs> balls, and he was waiting for a point where somebody just said something too loud. I think it was Ben Crow, um, something to do with Crunkzilla, and he just got this box full of polystyrene balls, three different sizes, two different sizes, and just chucked it on the table. And like the big balls were like two mortal wounds, and the little balls were like one mortal wound. It just took people's armies off. It landed <laughs> just flat on top of Kai's scaven isn't it? Just flattened it. It's. Just, it was utterly mental. I didn't know what was going on. Um, but to be uh, fair... <laughs> I'd handily put my dead pile into the middle of the table. <laughs> so it kind of acted as a shield for the rest of my army. I didn't get snowballed off. Yeah. Well, then Ironically, like, as I had a thunder tusk in my army. But... Yeah. Narrative. Narrative. Yeah. But, well, it was so narrative, Ben Crow had war scroll cards, like DM screens around Crunkzilla, <laughs> so he didn't get hit by the snowballs. Um so yeah, it was, it was utterly mental, but weekend overall was an awful lot of fun. Paul is looking at running it again next year, so same thing. I think he's going to get a bit tighter. I think it's particularly hard if you have GMs agreeing to do something and then they drop out. You know, it's really, really hard. I think hopefully maybe simplify the story, a bit stricter on the armies, a bit more organised on the day, hopefully less dropouts. But he was maximum capacity was 16, so we had 14 at the end, so you can't, can't complain at that at all. Um, and everyone seemed to have an awful lot of fun. And like I said, free events. So, you know, well, other than buying and painting an army for it, but yes. <laughs> that's much of a muchness, isn't it, really, at the end of the day? But it's really cool. It was really good to do something different. Obviously, we've, that's my ser- that's, second That's also right? your prize, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you get your army out. The trophy you take home at the end of it is a finished fifteen hundred point army. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I get the uh, as I w- basically won the narrative. I um, I get to write the outcome. So I'm going to write that with a little bit of input from Steve Foot as um, we had a cool little cool little story to to go there, which will continue for uh, for Raw, I hope. So yeah, that that was Fate of Sigma. Um, and before we kind of take a little break and then crack on to grilling Aaron over his painting prowess, um, as always, just want to give a shout out to our sponsors. So we have Mercia Miniatures, who this episode should go out on Friday. They again have their brilliant uh, buy one, get one free on metal models, which hopefully is still running. And obviously they do fantastic resins. But I tell you what, getting some of those metal minotaurs is is so they feel so good. Like I want to do a whole army <laughs> of them on the board. It feels so chunky and heavy. So all those you have to put them in an old school GW case. Uh, no, put them in a sock and just that, hit that's the feeling of the heavy them. army, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And they are proper solid metal models. Really, really cool. Um, so do go and check them out. Um, also, Curtain Games. Um, so thank you for the people who have placed orders with them to kind of give them a try. So just to reiterate, they do free postage over £30, which is amazing. Um, it's also We've also got our 5% off discount code. It's an extra 5% off, including the pre-order prices, which is all lowercase pro painted nice and simple pop that in um i placed my orders with them this week same as everyone else and you know they arrived on release day i got my feck book and my skaven book um so do you know if you if you're enjoying the podcast go and support those guys because they're they're doing a lot for us as well um and uh my obviously little my little side endeavor pro paint studios and um, we've got more products out uh moving trays are available obviously a lot of other companies sell them they're there for ease of access really you know if you're buying stuff and you want to put yourself up to 25 pound postage you can buy some movement trays um pretty much exactly what you'd expect um but we will by the time this episode comes out we should have well on, at least on the same day the um tokens compatible with fleshy to court and skaven will both be available on the website um 
Skaven will be broken down into quite a few different sets because, my God, there are so many abilities to track in that book. It's something chronic. Um, so go, do go and check those out. And as always, you can use, again, a 5% off discount code, which is um, Pro Painted Podcast. Nice and easy. There you go. Um, so we'll take a little break there and we'll come back. And as I say, we'll, uh, we'll pick Aaron's brains on, uh, on painting. And we're back. So we're going to talk about Aaron, uh, talk to Aaron about his army, uh, which has basically got him in such an amazing position um, this year in regards to the painting rankings. But I do want to touch on the uh, the painting uh, masses itself. Um, so it was a 16-player event. Unfortunately, we only had uh, 12 attendees at the end, which is a bit of a shame, but I think it's created enough of a buzz that I think next year is going to be something really, really special. Um, well, I say next year, but people may have seen the new announcement that the gaming masses or the normal masses as i as i regularly call it um is changing to an 18 month cycle so that it can run until the summer so rather than being one of the early events in the year which is quite tricky january is a hard month for tournament players so i'm going to be running the uh, painting masses alongside that we don't know much of the details yet but we've got plenty of time to sort it out so the 12 players we had so i just wanted to run through them so we had paul buckler uh, Matt Arnold, uh, Aaron, uh, John Green, Steve Wren, Chris Tomlin, Mike Burgess, Mike Wilson, Ben Smith, Danny Cashman, Tony Kirby, Stephen Smith. And everyone rocked up with a great army on the day, which you, you can't ask for more than that. Um, and it was basically a match play event, loads of soft scores. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was that was that was the painting masses itself. Um, so the army that you took to that event, which you didn't have to um was the army that you've kind of been working on um over the kind of the season period i guess so where did this what is it you you came came up with what where where did kind of the idea what, what was the gestational period for i used that word last time so fuck's sake um what was the gestation <laughs> of this uh of this army uh okay so uh the the idea came from the fetty uh, campaign that you and I and Paul and Chris were involved in uh, we kind of decided didn't we that a four player campaign was probably the optimum it really is to have four committed people stick with it is is just the best way to go and then we kind of clicked that four grand alliances fits that really well as well um, Chris already wanted to do his Phoenix Temple didn't he and Paul already had the idea for his Spider Fang army for sure yeah um, so it left death and chaos for you and I to decide between. And uh, my most recent army at that point was my Zinch, which I just sold. I didn't want to do another chaos army instantly. Yeah. So we, we decided between, I think you just done the chaos army as well. And you, you had your blood bound. I wanted to filter up. I was fed up against shot. So Zinch <laughs> yeah. seemed like a good choice at the time. <laughs> a whole different army, isn't it? Yeah. Different worlds. Uh, so, so you went with chaos and I went with death. Um, didn't really know what to do with death because I'd done a few death armies in the past. I'd done a Wraith Fleet from uh, Lustria. I'd done with all the zombie pirates and that. I'd done like a, essentially a flesh eater course army, but an 8th edition. I had a Mortis engine and all the Cryptoras and Ghouls with regeneration. It was good fun to use. And I'd done Tomb Kings before, so I'd kind of covered all the bases, really. Yeah. Um, but in the Firestorm campaign booklet thing, it actually has rules for Wraith Fleet. So I thought it would be cool to go back and do that again. 
as it was that was my furthest ago death army that i'd done yeah sure um and obviously there's loads of new kits and stuff now so that's how i decided to do that army and i kind of wanted to not use the death um like it's all quite samey there's only a certain number of ways you can paint skeletons yeah defo uh, and ghosts so i wanted to do something a bit different and I went through like all of the Games Workshop ranges. When I start a new army, I was, uh, it's weird, like repeating almost word for word what I was saying to you earlier. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of, um, I just get really excited about stuff that uh, my work doesn't actually can, like require much thinking. It's all physical work. <laughs> sure. So my mind wanders all day when I'm at work. I take a lot of toilet breaks as well, to be fair. <laughs> so I have a lot of time where I can't physically hobby, but I'm just thinking about like projects I want to be doing and it costs you a lot of money because I'm on eBay all the time as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I bet. Well, just an interesting so, thing. Also, I was just going to pip in very quickly. That's something I do as well. Um, on a much lesser note, I, because I have a, not much, I probably have about 20, 20 minute, half an hour commute. Um, maybe an hour sometimes each day. I don't put the radio on in the car. I literally just think about hobby to work and back. I, specific, I specifically yeah. don't put the radio on. So it's a really good idea. Yes. So yeah. the, all this free time, obviously, you get a lot of ideas swimming about. Um, I kind of have, like, processes that I go through. I wouldn't say it's anything, like, set in stone, but I was saying to you earlier, I kind of, I just, like, get in the mood for an army. Yeah. And I, I'll do things like I'll make a playlist on my phone. I'll go through... Anything that's got, like, for the Wraith fleet, it'd be anything to do with, like, pirates or sails or war skeletons and death and things like that. Obviously, I like, like, heavy metal music and stuff, so there's a whole wealth of that sort of thing. Um, so putting a playlist together, anything that, like, gets you in that mood, and then I'll be listening to that over the few weeks, like, as I'm putting the army together. Um, I'll go through, like, uh, Netflix and pick out all the... I said earlier, like I watched Marco Polo, and then I've done this Mongol army. So yeah. it's where you, you can like draw inspiration from loads of places, and it's kind of just like overloading my brain with all that sort of things. Just get as many ideas going as you can. And another thing is just go through the entire Games Workshop range, basically looking for anything you might be able to use as something else to fit a theme better. Yeah, um, they're, they're great ideas. I think yeah. I think specifically the music one's an interesting one. It's not one I I overly click with, but I I, I get where you're going. I mean, the movie thing, yeah, God, I, mean, I think almost everything I do is in, is inspired yeah. by a movie <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. Um, and obviously, I've you know on a similar vein, I've done my gadgets and goblins, and I was literally logging into WoW, starting a new character up as a goblin, and just running around the town and going right. What could I do? Who's gonna? What could I do this like? Which way do I go with this? What would that look like? So, yeah, I, I mean, was gonna do a World of Warcraft night elf army at the end of eight, wasn't I? Yeah, that was really cool. I like that. You think you painted one wolf at the end or something? No, I did a unit of five, but it never really went anywhere. No. <laughs> AOS dropped and kind of didn't know what was happening. Wanderers all got split up, didn't they? So, yeah, so that puts the kibosh on that, really, doesn't it? Um, do you use? Um, I was trying to think of the the website that everyone uses for photos an awful lot. Um, not Pornhub. Um, Pinterest. <laughs> what was that? Are you thinking of, pin you thinking of Pinterest? Pinterest? Yes, yes, Pinterest. I don't know what you said. Pinterest. 
Um, I do find a lot of images on there, but I don't I go to it and search for it. It's just like I'll do Google image searches. One other thing I do is you want to look up, if you're starting a new army, if, if you're interested in making it unique, you know, like you can just Google, like this week I've been looking at Raven Guard for 40k, so yeah. just Google Raven Guard conversions yeah. and just see what other people have done or Raven Guard painted army mm-hmm. or painting Raven Guard and stuff like that. Just just look through all the images and you find loads of awesome stuff from all over the internet. Google does your work for you, doesn't it? So, um, all the stuff to just draw inspiration from and get ideas, really. So you had all these ideas. You kind of mentioned about what your inspiration was going forward. So what was the what was the first step? So it was something I wanted to mention. On, and today, only today, we've been obviously we were going to record today. So I knew you were coming on. Um, so Fetty's in my mind again, um, and I'm I'm really keen to get a Fetty two going. And one thing I'd want to ask you is, do you feel that format of growing? So you've got this idea of growing this army every month by adding units. It allows you to to put together this amazing. I think it allows you to do a more interesting army at the end. Your end result is much better doing it through that than it is just kind of going. This is the army I'm going to do. I'm just going to do it. It's done. Does that make sense? It feels like you kind of the narrative really and the monthly grow. It allows you to spend a bit of time on each unit. Do you, do you find that kind of did that help the process? Yeah, 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 definitely. Because I, it, as, especially playing games at small levels, I remember this um, white dwarf article. I think it was two nine two. It had an Iris Sauron on the front. Right. There was a an article on there which I'll never forget. I wish I still had that white dwarf, but Ian's uh, the dude it. the dude was going through like how to build a narrative, a themed army, it was called back then. Yeah. So he, he just kind of decided on his war boss or whatever. It was a goblin army that he was doing. And the idea was he would just add what that goblin would want in his army. Right. So he had like all like caravans and stuff with like different creatures pulling out, like spiders and things. Yeah. Um, he's like, well, if I come up against some big stuff, I'm going to need to bring it down. So I'll get some spear checkers in there. And all this sort of thing. So when you're playing small games, that is kind of how, like, that just naturally happens. Yeah. You think, like, oh, I need a bit of this this month. I need some cavalry in there. Like, I'm getting outmaneuvered or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I didn't even thought about it in that regard. Oh, I could really do with someone to cast spells. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just any, You might not even realise that you're you're doing it on a narrative level. Like, you, you, it's kind of a path you choose to do that. Yeah. Or, or like I, I'm saying narrative in the same place as I'm saying themes like my army isn't narrative I haven't written any background or anything for it but it's, it is heavily themed obviously I think the words um, are pretty interchangeable now I think I think narrative's been chosen as kind of the the creme de la creme <laughs> isn't it I, just, I hear it used as a verb and all sorts now yeah. but you can shout uh, it as well uh, you can stand there just go yeah. narrative <laughs> just like a good luck thing for your dice as well isn't it yeah. if you really need something to go off <laughs> yeah I think it's quite um, the other thing about doing it as a slow grow is because of the rate of release at the moment with the GW stuff, it gives you the chance to buy some of the new things and get excited about it and just fit it into something you're already doing. So I imagine with Gaidna, was that released halfway through the project? Or was it um, towards the. Oh, was, I remember. Was it, after, was it after you started? It was after we started because the video they posted of the the sunken ship terrain in the water in the fish tank i'd literally just built my mortis engine out of a sunken ship 
And it was the next day I saw that, and I was like, oh, my oh God, yeah, just yeah, throw yeah, this in a bin. I thought they were doing a Wraith Fleet release. <laughs> yeah. I was really annoyed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I used a sunken ship, like a aquarium decoration that I got off eBay for six quid or something, and I bought the mortise engine kit and just mashed them together. And that's how I built my mortise engine. I've always loved the mortise engine, like how it works and stuff. Obviously, I said earlier, I used it in 8th edition as well when nobody did. Um, so, like, yeah, the army sort of comes together because every month you're playing games, you just get more ideas as well. Like, if you just, like, I've got an army sat in front of me now. I just wrote a death list, bought all the stuff, and I've stuck it together and sprayed it all. Like, it's not really open to changing it all at this point. No. Whereas building it month by month, you just kind of get these ideas as you play or like other people will see your army and suggest stuff to you and stuff like that is kind of it's just much more natural how it uh, comes together yeah defo well how did you approach obviously because i always remember on the, the first month you were basically doing those skeletons so you knew you wanted skeletons for your wraith fleet so how, how did you approach just doing that initial kind of i'm going to do something a bit different how did you actually put that into place um, I can't really remember, to be honest. I, th- I think I, <laughs> I said earlier... You're fucking like, useless! <laughs> get off! Where, where you, I said I would go through the Games Workshop website and just look at the complete range, rather yeah. than just like just going to the Legions of Nagash section or whatever. That wasn't even a thing then either. Um, but I just like screenshotted all the things that I thought were like uh, pirate-themed or like sea creature themed sure. like at one point i was considering using river trolls as cryptoria allies mm-hmm. um i had a f- few ideas I, I thought about doing a davy jones version of the gash that i've seen on uh, on a google search when i was yeah, looking was at cool. stuff that would be a brilliant idea i've got the gash on the shelf that I might chop up one day i'm not sure if i'll ever get there i had the idea of doing the manfred on the deep mail when that was spoiled uh i got around to doing that for the paint masters not it wasn't part of my Fetty army, but um, yeah, so I, I basically just talked a lot about the theme. I don't think the paint job is what's really got the attention for this army, to be honest. I mean, it's probably like, I'm, I'm proud of it. It's, it's some of my best work that I've done, but I think it's the memorable theme and people looking at it and they've never seen anything like that before. You don't see Charybdis and Hydras and stuff especially not in a deaf army. No. Like, so it kind of catches the eye and draws people in. So I imagine it's... I mean, I was I was always... Kind cons- of that I'll... more than the paint job. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was always concerned with when you were talking initially about using the, the halves of the, of the Deepkin boat um, on the base of each. Um, to me, I was like, would that just look like <laughs> this 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 model's just dragging around this bit of boat if that makes sense <laughs> yeah um but i think one of the, one of the strengths in your army and something i looked at a lot while i was working on my deepkin because my my basing was definitely without a doubt was inspired by yours is that i think your basing is very good i know you changed the color which we'll, we'll touch on shortly but how, what did you, what was your approach towards the basing because i think overall it's done very very well i think there's a lot of extra detail in there that's been added um, yeah, sure. Um, I don't like a lot of the water effects based. Like, I don't like the beach type look that I've seen in a lot of places. Yeah. All right. Um, Fucking hell. I, 
got beats on my Kazakhstan, <laughs> slagging them off. I, I remember uh, Mark Borland's ogres. They looked like really, really cartoony because it had yellow sand and yeah. blue water. Yeah. So I, I tried to make it look as natural as possible, but I was hand painting all the water on and then slapping water effects on. And I, I actually realised partway through that I'd done the water all the wrong way around, didn't I? So, you know, yes. I'd done like the darker shades of water towards the centre of the base, which is actually where the shore would be, yeah. where the shallower water is. So I kind of messed up with that, but the, the colour of it, Works quite well, so I think I know it, you like the color. Yeah, definitely. I think it looked. Yeah. It was one of those things where it looked fine. It totally worked um, because it's just like with fire. Like when you paint fire, a lot of people paint fire wrong. So they start yeah. with a dark. You know, they start with red, wash it, and highlight up. But obviously, fire's the other way around. You know, the, the darkest parts are in the recesses. But if you paint it the way, it's still fine. You don't you don't really track it like that. So your bases didn't look yeah. wrong. Like to me, you couldn't just look at them and go, oh, that, that they, they highlighted that in the wrong place. It's totally not how water works. Um, you, you suppose you could argue that maybe we were fucking with the water, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think for me, one of the strong points was the way that you added these extra embellishments. You had like crates and barrels and things and you built the sand up around them and then you had the water and the water was coming up in different places on the basing um it all kind of interacted really really well um and i think i mean you, you talk about not really knowing what you were doing with your initial skeleton units but they're still some of my favorite because there's there's corsairs in there there's noblars in there with ghoul heads you know it's it's chris has been saying recently about chris peach's um uh, his, his privateer units that he's, he's just released have been on Twitter, which have gone down a storm, and they're an all sort of they're a mix of all the different elf rangers and dark eldar and everything, and they're all individual, but they work together really well. And I think that's exactly what you've done with those skeleton units as well. They're very disparate parts, but once you get them all painted in the same scheme with the same basing, that's interesting. They really pop as units. So even the basic level, your skeletons are really really well done. I think they're my favourite part of the army. They're the, the most fun to do, and I did it in the first month as well, so it kind of really spurred me on for the next ones. Do you know what? With the barrels and stuff on the bases, the main aim with me doing that was because the Corsair kit, they're all lunging really far forwards. Yeah. You know, they're really aggressive and kind of um, leaping into battle, and that's just not how skeletons really uh, should work for me. I was pitching more like shambling and slow. So basically... Almost all of them have a barrel or um, a treasure chest or something on the base to. It's basically to tilt the model backwards. Right, that's to make I them stand more upright. Totally hadn't <laughs> noticed that. That's such a good idea. You, you you completely change the flow of the model by doing that, and you don't even notice. Yes, so it worked with the theme as well, as well which is great. So um, that's kind of where I was thinking with that, to be honest. But yeah, it's it's cool that. You notice all that stuff. Do the um, when you've used the Aideneth boats, does that change the angle of the model as well? I'm kind of trouble picturing it. The reason the, I, I the, did those is because the terror guy spaces are huge, and the Hydra yeah. is actually only on sixty mil rounds. The the uh, terror guy space is one hundred and thirty five mil, so it's like double the radius yeah. or uh, diameter. Um, which is more than double the surface area, and the the um, models are used. So I used a merworm for one, which actually comes on a pirate ship itself, uh, which I hacked off of that, and the Charybdis for the other one. 
um, they just didn't fill the bases where the Terry Rice have the huge wings that overlap yeah. the sides of the bases. So I was initially going to attempt to make some sort of like whirlpool type thing and have them in the centre. Um, and the idea being that they would come out of the water rather than flying to, to like represent in game. Um, but I had no idea how I was going to do that. And then obviously partway through the campaign, the Idenf boats was released. So I thought I've got to get one because it's perfectly themed. And then I thought about putting the Charybdis on it. And the way his uh, hand is posed, he's kind of clawing. It looks like he's climbing over the boat. Yeah. So it just, yeah. it just worked out perfectly. And basically it was just to fill the base because those things are huge. Um, to basically take the place of the wings that would be on Terrorgeist spatially. Yeah, definitely. I know what you mean. The, the kind of the way that you, you've you've basically kind of almost got quite a similar silhouette, and I think the way yeah. that you've placed both the models on the on the model, so that the merworm looks like it's walking down from the higher part of the uh, the back of the boat to the to the front, uh, which works really well with the pose. Whereas, like you say, you've got the Charybdis, which is it's because the boat's sideways. Yeah, it looks like it's walking yes. over it. Um, it means when I display them, I can have the boats kind of as if it had crashed <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's it's almost like the rip there they are fighting over the two the two wrecks that have been that have been yeah left. yeah um and obviously you mentioned about the um the boat that you got um <laughs> just before they released the actual boat um how did you find working with something like that which is basically a plastic aquarium toy um and then kind of comparing it to you've mushed it with a gw kit did you find similar thing to like what I mentioned earlier with Mantic, where you kind of got the softer details? Did you find yourself kind of painting extra of anyone else considering the same? I don't know if you've got any tips for them on approaching something like that. It was horrible. <laughs> that was my toughest month in the campaign by far. I remember you talking a lot um, about lining wood. Yeah, just because the detail is not there, I couldn't dry brush it. It would have just looked a mess. Yeah. The details are still really, really soft. Which, like, I couldn't expect very much. It was six pounds or whatever, so... Um, I had to paint all of the woodwork in lines and add, like, streaks with green wash and brown wash and stuff to try and add some kind of variation and texture to it. Yeah, some I added all yeah. seaweed clinging to the bottom from Tree Lord kits and stuff. Uh, I actually <laughs> had a lot of stuff on there to cover up where it says Made in China <laughs> across the bottom. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I try to just collect as much stuff on that without making it look insanely crowded as I could because the boat wasn't that detailed. Um, so it was a lot more work. The the two parts of the, uh, what's it called? The shipwreck? Gloom Tide. Gloom Tide. Yeah. That I just dry brushed and it looked great. Because <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> the GW kits nowadays, you can dry brush almost anything and it looks amazing because of the, the way they produce the miniatures. It just has the right texture on it. Uh, it just takes dry brushing really well now. Yeah, really, um, really well. But that, that ship just didn't, so I had to really just line every single plank of it over and over. <laughs> it was, yeah, really tough, actually. Would you do it again? It said, so the Gloom Tide wasn't available. Would you Would you do that same similar kind of process in regards to getting something um, that's basically a, well let's call it let's, let's call it a toy getting a toy and, and trying to get it blended with gw kits is this something you would do again um yeah yeah i would do yeah. it again uh, obviously now with the, the option of the deep can get i'd 
rather have chosen that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was was looking at a uh, Hordes and War Machine model that came out around the time that Deepkin video was spoiled, like within a week of each other, I think they were both spoiled. Uh, you played Crix before. Yeah. Um, you know Scar the Pirate Queen? Yep. She has a new edition now, Scar 3, which is riding, like, if you imagine the back half of the um, Idenf ship, mm-hmm. it's like half the ship torn down the middle, but it's got all the decks in it and everything. And her uh, theme within her army in War Machine is literally called Ghost Fleet. Yeah. So it's all got spirits and everything. It's got lanterns coming off the back. So I was quite inspired by that as well. I'd already started the Mortis engine by then, but I was think I would have picked that up as well to add. But the Deep King thing was about a quarter of the price. <laughs> and yeah. obviously it's AOS, it's better quality. So um, I had a few things that I had my own, but yeah, um, I would do that again. Generally within our group, I know Chris has said this a lot, just trying to stick to GW miniatures is a thing we kind of do now a lot more than we yeah. used to, I think. I, th- I think it's quite natural because, you know, I, I think we've we've most certainly mentioned it before, you know, the days have sat there going, oh, I really want to run an A-bomb. Oh, what's someone doing for an A-bomb? What's someone bought to use for an A-bomb? You know, the, the GW model range is so much more expansive than it ever has been, right? The yeah, releases are relentless and there's but because they're doing you know um, we're not just talking about aos you know there is so much available from 40k all the new box sets i mean look at people using Caldor gangers as like ghouls and stuff you know there are so many models available now and there are all these great plastic kits as well you know there are all these amazing plastic kits that you can just mesh straight into an aos army and i think it's also the benefit of AOS being more fantastical now, you know, before, yeah. if you yeah. were, if you were rocking around, you know, some of the stuff that you had now, it just didn't exist. It was, I, I was thinking this the other day, I don't know why, it's a really weird thought to have, but when you look at it like a narrative perspective on things sometimes, you look at like, so, for example, Ricky at the weekend was using three steam tanks. Like, back in the day, you'd look at it and, and you would be like, that's just weird because there's only like seven steam tanks or something. Or why has every army got a steam tank in it? Yeah. And I, I remember reading the fluff for like the Empire going, these guys got to run out of fucking army at some point. There's like just millions of Empire soldiers just get killed all the time. You know, it's, it's <laughs> relentless. Because on AOS, it doesn't matter. You don't have those same limits. Yeah, you can still you can still be like, oh my God, this has all gone wrong. These people are dying. You know, cities are getting destroyed, wiped out and things. But there's so much to what's going on. There's so much available and you can have these amazing cog forts, you know, just a little mention in the fluff of a great big striding fortification and people are doing models for it at the moment, which look brilliant, but it just there's, means there's also so much opportunity with things that like mixing things or creating your own things. That yeah, absolutely. There's just no restrictions almost now. You, you can go wherever you want and justify it in the more rounds. Yeah. Were you talking today about, you know, if you don't mind me mentioning it, talking about a corn army from um, the realm of metal, you know, and, and using 40k models to represent things, so hell brutes as, you know, Korgraths and stuff, and do it in the right way, and you can use those models as a base, and it will look brilliant. Yeah, it would. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I think Tom Hewitt's going to do that one, but you never know of him. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> That was, that was so 45 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs>
so something else I wanted to mention is kind of cover the, the the recent additions you did to the army. So we'll start with the one that I wasn't too sure of, but I'm still still a little bit a, a little bit reticent about it. Was I know you put the um, I want to call them Ushanti, but they're not Ushanti at all, are they? What are the big flappy dudes called with the Morgasts? Morgasts. So if you wanted to put those in your army, which is cool. So how did you what what did you do with those to kind of make them fit your theme? Um. I didn't do too much. Uh, I didn't really like the headdress things they have, and I didn't like the bear head, so I didn't have heads of bears, but the uncovered head. Yeah. Um, so I just sculpted, I sculpted hoods for those. Is that because you like dark angels? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I've done it on my Ogre Husk card as well. I just like, like a hoods. <laughs> just, just a chav and a hoodie. Such a hoodie. Such a youth. <laughs> Such a younger. Yeah. Um, so I've, I wanted to just do something, basically, and I thought that looked cool. The, the only way I really tied it into the army was the uh, kind of spirit streams from behind them. I had that going into the water and blended from the water blue through to the spirit host kind of grey-green yeah. colour, um, which I thought worked quite well. Um, in, like, my head... I said earlier I haven't written any fluff for this army at all, but I thought they could represent like the figureheads. You know, on the front of the uh, Gloom Tide, you got the Sigmarite dude with the hammer. I think that's a really good idea, like a really good reasoning. Yeah, I, in, if I ever do write any fluff, the Morgasts will be the figureheads from the ships, and they are animated and come to life and fly ahead of the ships. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's again that's something that's inspired me because we again we funny enough mentioned it last episode. Ian asked me how I was going to approach with my my concept Deepkin Army, how I was going to do an idol on, and seeing your your models is exactly what I'm going to do to so paint the cloak as though it's coming out the water and do that same kind of similar blending effect. Um, yeah, yeah, sweet. And you did you do did you do for the campaign your your character conversion? Um, Again, from the Deepkin range. Was he in your army for the do, campaign? Do you mean the Lotan-based Necromancer? The Necrotancer? <laughs> no, not that one. The um, Your Manfred. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I did that for Paintmasters, actually. Oh, was it? I didn't realise it was specifically for the Paintmasters. Well, I just wanted to have something new in there. It was New Year, so didn't want to just rock up with the same old army, did I? I've only added two things since um, the campaign, which was one was for Raw... We had to do the ether lab. Yeah. So I, I added that corpse cart type thing with all the basically a load of junk with the little um, nobbler type minions. Uh, what, what are the dudes in um, Hell's thing? Do you remember those? They're like little minion dudes with masks on. I think they're called Dwergi. Yes. Yeah. That's basically okay. what I imagine when I think of like the little nobbler dudes in my right. army. They're like ship's crew that just get all the crap jobs of unloading stuff and. All yeah. that sort of thing. No, that, um, so that's cool. they're kind of running around the basically it's a corpse cart loaded with etheric stuff pumpkins. and pumpkins. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool, and it's one of those models where you can tell that you seem to really enjoy painting it. There's a lot of little flourishes on there. Yeah, uh, and then so that was for raw, and it basically just got used as a corpse cart on a huge base after that. Um, <laughs> Narrative. I, is, yeah. And the Manfred, <laughs> I had the idea ages ago. But I didn't really want to add him in Fetty because having a named character in doesn't fit right. The camp- doesn't campaign, yeah, didn't, doesn't sit didn't right. seem right. But 
Um, I've only actually used them once, which was at the Paint Masters, and I painted them up in the week leading up to that. Uh, I was really happy with them, though. I yeah, it's really cool. It works really some well. Some parts from yeah. yeah. Lady Alinda and a Scythe for Kurnoff. But mostly it's Volturnos. He's got quite a vampiric face. If you paint, I painted like a trickle of blood from his mouth to show that he's a vampire. <laughs> Picked out his canines. Um, That's it's better if you just get with Manfred Martin, with an eye patch. Yeah, it works. It works really, really well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of my favorite, favorite models in the army now. Obviously, the um, the the deep mare is a lot smaller than the Ashkaroth. I think Manfred's mount's called. Yeah. So I used the leftover ship from the Merwan. I sort of chopped him off of the resin ship that he comes on. But that filled Manfred's base perfectly. And then I put a bunch... Uh, it's actually the two um, like attendants from Lady Alinda, mm-hmm. either side of him, and a spirit host behind him to like fill up the space, uh, as I said earlier, with like the ships creating that silhouette. Because my Manfred yeah. is actually way smaller than the actual model. But he's got the same weapons. He's... he's got the bald head <laughs> and he's got like a, a mount with the spirit host surrounding it so it kind of works doesn't it it does and i think yeah. something you mentioned about the silhouettes i think it's something very very important is something that um when you're looking at these kind of conversions or kit bashes and you're getting something to represent something else i think getting that bulk if you can't get it from the model then you can do it from the basing or the extra embellishment or add models or add elements i think getting the silhouette similar is a really really good thing to aim for um and it's something similar i was thinking about with my my black hand that i made for my iron jaw for my uh, gadgets and goblins i was gonna have him smashing down into the ground and having all the dirt thrown up in kind of a similar silhouette as the wings so he could be a, a celestine prime so it's it is a very good idea that, you know and i think it is something that people should bear in mind if they are attempting these extravagant ideas um so with the army done for now have you got any more any additions planned anytime soon the only thing that I've got that isn't painted is that Nagash that I mentioned earlier. Just the Nagash. I'm not going to be doing that anytime soon. So what's it's your a lot of work, isn't it? What's your favourite model out of what you what you've done from that army? Um, I know you said you're really keen on the skeletons, but I don't know if it was any any particular element that really you're really proud of. That if someone was looking at your army, you'd be like, oh look at this bit. This is my favourite. Yeah, literally the first model I painted actually the skeleton with the freehand banner on. Well, that's, it's got the squid with like the inky design. That's something actually I wanted to mention. Is the freehand is very nicely done. Um, how, how did you approach that? Because it's not, it's not a norm. It's not. So, for example, what you've what, for those who haven't seen what Aaron hasn't done is he hasn't just gone and painted a symbol on there. You've kind of tried to work it in to the army, so it looks like a face is pulling through. How, how did you approach that? Um, it's the the squid itself is actually. I tried to copy it off the anvil guard logo off the, the box right um i think i just kind of ended up doing quite a messy job <laughs> and then i had this idea to cover up the <laughs> the mess with like inky blotches because it's a, it's a kraken or squid face sure yeah um so basically it was a cover-up job i'll have to admit that i guess <laughs> but Worked the, really the well. ink, inky designs yeah it just it kind of came to me and i thought oh this is really cool and uh, I did it on a lot. I had the Shades by Warband. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what they're called. The boxes here. Sepulchral Guard. Guard. Yeah. Um, their shields are all quite flat. So I, I did the same sort of thing on there, but I did it a bit more ethereal. I did 
the faces kind of like murkily peering through their shields. Sure. And with the same like inky, it's it's just like black spots. Actually, I think Mark Wildman's uh, Zinc Army might have influenced that a little bit as well. It's probably about that time. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, 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 that's a good idea. And just seeing like other people using techniques. Byron was talking about splitting up flat areas with basically texture, yes. pa- painting some sort of pattern or texture on something to it draws the eye basically, doesn't it? Just it helps adds that little bit. Helps with those transitions, makes it you know it's not that it just makes it look more interesting. It it makes you feel like the model's even better painted, painted even better because it's it's kind of almost like a trick to the eye. Yeah, yeah. Um, the theme with those sepulchral guard as well was the fleet isn't just dark elves. It would they would have like a if I ever did a white king, it would be like a Viking type dude, and the sepulchral guard would be like his crew for his longboat. Right. Okay. And there'd be like sort of an allies That's contingent, cool. and then going forward, you could have like a you know dwarf skeletons or something like that, and yeah. have them or even carriage on. That would be perfect, wouldn't it? Definitely. Yeah, in the suits. Um, yeah, that'd be really cool. So, so the fleet is made up of more than one race, race of dead things. <laughs> and what was you've mentioned about talking about the, the free hand and how you kind of essentially covered that up? Was there anything else, any kind of new techniques that you approached? Um, something you used the first time, or something you feel you've refined, or um, some kind of new colours you've tried? Has there been anything like that that was kind of a, a plan or an accident during during working on the army? I wish I had it in front of me so I could have a look. <laughs> Um, you're, the famous, you're famous for your greys and browns, right? Yeah. Do you know what? This army, the colour scheme is basically the old Dark Elf colour scheme. You just don't really make the connection because the models aren't representing Dark Elves. No. Even the crypt, the Cryptus is just kind of just the box art. Sure. Yes. Um, I don't think many people really realise that, I guess. I didn't. It could, it kind of just looks like its own thing because the models are all skeletons and whatever. They're representing different things. It's got a different feel to it, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's got a lot of purple as the accent colour and scales everywhere are generally like the turquoise, stegodon, stale green or whatever. Yeah, stegodon, um, scale green? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the challenging bit that I hadn't done before basically was the water effects and the basing. Um you, you mentioned earlier that uh, I did I did it twice because I painted it on in yes. blue, yeah, and then I re- I redid it later. I haven't really used my airbrush for anything other than base coating before. I had a play about on a dark Eldar flyer, but it never really went anywhere. I haven't used it for laying down base coats. So um, the way I did that was kind of an accident as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm debunking my. Uh, whole like legitimacy as the paint master for this year aren't <laughs> not at all it's, it's... basically it was all an accident and it worked alright <laughs> happy accidents yeah. but it's the knowledge is there you you you, you know it's the, the... It, it, you Get can it. say tri- trial and error is what yeah. people who, who uh, know what they're talking about say don't they <laughs> so I airbrushed I, I, I said earlier I'd done the water the wrong way round and I, I thought it looked a bit cartoony with like the pale sand and then the proper yellow, uh, not yellow, proper uh, blue basing, uh, the the water itself. Sure. So I wanted to have it a bit more dark and gloomy um, to fit like the death theme a bit better. I, I feel before that I didn't really feel like my army belonged in a realm, 
but now I think it would be quite happy being from the realm of shadow or Shaish. Sure. Um, it kind of adds that AOS y element to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. It looks more fantasy rather than, I don't know, some sort of cartoony. Actually, it looked more fantasy. Now it looks more AOS brand yeah. fantasy. Um, but yeah, yeah, so how I did the new basing was I just, well, I had had like six or seven layers of water effects on it already. I just airbrushed straight over the top of that with a Cabalite green and Cyborite green. Um, they're like really ghostly greens. Yeah. A lot of people use them for ethereals and stuff and glowing effects. They just work really nicely, but I accidentally got a bit of overspray kind of because I had to get under the ships and the first things I did were Manfred and Terrorgeists. Um, I got like this overspray of these greens that went up onto the ships and the, like the tufts and some of the sand and stuff caught it. Um, but it actually ended up giving this like really nice like glowing effect from the water. Like when you look at the side of a ship or something, you can see the reflection of the water up on it and it, it just accidentally happened to be really nice. So then I went, I actually angled the airbrush like basically horizontal when spraying the bases for the rest of it to kind of get that effect on purpose. It's literally a happy accident, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was Manfred was the first one, and you can see on his base, it probably came up the nicest, to be honest. He's got a kind of a few layers and built it up with filler on his sand to, um, like, they were, where the uh, ship from the Merworm was on a square base i had to blend that out to cover the oval base that he's on yeah otherwise it would just be like stepped up on the sides um so the the stages of the filler kind of caught the uh airbrush overspray it looks really nice on his base um so i kind of did it on purpose from then on on the other stuff yeah well i've done exactly that i you know it was an intentional thing to copy that when I did my with when I did my deepkin. So um, have you got any? Well, at the end of the day, you did really really well on um, the painting results um, over the period. Um, if you put some of those changes in, what I actually always could actually do is actually have a quick look. Should we have a look at your results in the painting rankings? Um, so while I do that, have you got any kind of tips for those that? Because I've, I've had a few people contact me and they've said I really I really want to kind of be on the painting rankings and want to kind of do better this year and get more results in is is there anything um from doing this and kind of being nominated at events and doing well at events with the trophies and everything is there any tips you can give anyone any 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 advice i, th I think from my experience last year um it's having a memorable army i think you you've kind of come away with this as well it's like you you can be a a really fantastic painter um but if your army is like the same as another one that's painted similarly or something like that or or the box art ian sorry <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any difference um, to ian he still fucking yeah, wins all the stuff it's it's almost like people have seen it already yeah i know what you so mean. i a lot of my armies i tend to just head swap across the board from something else like my Stormcaster will have eternal guard heads i stole that off someone on twitter um, I don't know what else have I done I'm sure I did an army before that I just had swapped everything um, I can't think of anything on top of my head 
Oh, my um, horses. <laughs> it, it was those wood elves we mentioned earlier. All the eternal guard who were headless. Yeah. Had wild wild riders' heads. Yeah. And that just gave them a completely different effect. They almost have like a crown type look, and they have a face mask, like it's like a knight, a Bretonian knight's yeah. armor or something, but very wood elfy. That was really effective. I was really happy with those. I never painted them though, but um, yes, something like that that just changes the way people look at stuff that draws the eye because um, if you look at Fetty the From Ember to Inferno campaign we did I think my army was not in the top half of best painted of those <laughs> I think on the scale like I was saying to Matt earlier there's kind of at one end there's the themed armies which was um, one kind of hobby draw and then on the other end of the scale there's the painting quality and I think Matt was by far the top like Chris was saying he wasn't doing it to his best ability he was doing above tabletop or whatever he was saying I can't remember the term he was using but he basically wasn't painting to the best of his ability but Matt was trying to push himself using these new techniques and paints Yeah. and then me and Paul had like the themed armies Paul had a really strong spider theme and then mine was the very fleet and Chris, Chris was quite themed as well so Chris has done quite well with his army in the wars this year as well, hasn't he? So floating about in the middle with the like eye-catching theme with the paint to back it up is probably more effective than... Not not more effective. I don't want to um, piss Ian off. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's probably why this army's got so much tension, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like I think when... yours, yours is a very good combination of everything. It's... Virtually every model is yeah. extensively converted, or um, or or <clears throat> it's, it's the illusion of being consent. Uh... And he's got a very strong theme that people love. People love yeah. undead pirates. Um, you've carried it across the entire army. Um, yeah, it just ticks all the boxes. Yeah, yeah and it, it's, and... it's a combi- It's a combination that everything's to a good level. It's so all the conversions are good. To a very all the painting's good. good. Oh yes. Totally. And the basin's good and the theme's good. So whatever, if you're looking at it from a, when you choose an army for best painted at a, an event, whatever one of those things floats your boat, it's an option to pick up Aaron's army yeah. as the best army. Definitely. So, so yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a cracking army. I love it. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. And you're, Sorry. So for those people who uh, who have asked about the rankings, this gives you an idea how Aaron did over the year. Now, some of these were your Zeech army as well, which I'll just shout out which ones they were. So you had um, the Chump Invitational, which you have a nomination for, uh, which I think was your Zeech. That was Zeech, yeah. Which again, really nice army. Um, Dogger Doubles, second place, which is definitely your Zeech because I ran that one. Um, uh, Dorset Dogger Invitational 2018, uh, that was the first place. That was definitely your Wraith Fleet. Yeah, that was my first event using him. Yeah. Uh, Blackout 2018, uh, you've got first place and judge's choice as well. You only get one result, but for the for the sake of the rankings, but you won both of those. Um, Face Hammer, that's the one I beat you at. Uh, you got third place. <laughs> <laughs> um, Raw 18, so the narrative side, first place, uh, and then Glory and Glory and Death, which again was the first place. Was that the Zinch? That was Beast Claw actually. Was that Beast? Oh, of course it was. It was the Curtain event. 
So that gives you an idea. For those listening, um, you know, Aaron's got one, two, three, four, fourth, uh, four first places in there um, with actually three different armies. So the Wraith Fleet hasn't, you know, consistently got you through um, because you've actually only been using it since the Dogger Invitational. So what's that, July? Yeah, uh, June, I think. That's... Yeah. So you've played really well with it across the board. Uh, so right, that's that's Wraith Fleet. Anything else you want to add add to that to your to that project? Uh, as in any comments, any advice you want to give the listeners? Um, I think having the strong sort of inspiration and theme at the start keeps you on track, and it um, it makes you want to do more, yeah. and it it breeds more ideas as you do it. So. I think like some people sit down and want to convert something for the sake of converting it or I don't know, or kind of don't have a clear idea of where they want to take something. So like um, I usually start an army based on something I want to do rather than start an army and then decide I want to do something with it. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Or even if it's a paint scheme or something like that, um, it's the inspiration comes first and then the you got to follow it through. So I, I don't know if you can kind of force that sort of thing to happen. but Almost the same with models, though, isn't it? You 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 don't go, oh, I really want to use an A-bomb. What could I use it as? It's, I really want to do this. What models are suitable? So I get what you mean about the armies. I, I sometimes fall on the other side. I'm like, right, I want to do Daughters of the Cain. What theme can I go for? Whereas you're approaching it from... I want to do a theme of Conan or snakes. What army could I do? Um, so I had a similar thing actually with my. Uh, it's something I, I only really remembered when the Feck book came out. Is that my Cathurgal army um, that initially was going to be Flesh Eater Court, um, but it wasn't because the models that I hoped would be the size of uh, Cryptorus <laughs> were like half the size of Cryptorus, so I couldn't do it. Um, yeah. So and it's just ended up being Nurgle somehow. So you know, it's so my mine was the opposite well not the opposite i suppose but that was a case of these are the models i want to use what can i use them as so it's it's a different way of looking at it and it's something that i've done that with the gadgets and i mean they're always going to be goblins i suppose there was no no other way about it (laughs) no other way about it at all but yeah both those cases you've had the idea isn't it yes like and then it's like implementing it yeah rather than like I don't think anyone's often going to come up with a best painted army that they've just kind of come up with on on the fly or just just picked a couple of units and painted them and then just keep adding to it. I think unless they're brilliant painters like Ian, probably can just do that. <laughs> I think there's there's always an element of uh, a passion. Um, yeah, yeah, that's probably in, in any way shape a good word for it. Um, so what's the plans for, obviously you've mentioned the Beast, Beast Plane Riders, what's the plans for 2019 at the moment? What, what's your, what, what you <laughs> I've got an army sat in front of me, which I'm intending to paint to a tabletop standard, really crap. It's just another death army, except this one's good. So I feel like... <laughs> you think it's I've good, done the... and you've got massive units of skeletons, and you just can play Skaven, and they just going to fire you off. <laughs> and you can be like, this army's shit. Let's bring them back, will not I? Easy peasy. Um... Yeah, so not after your characters have been shot off. Your characters have been shot off by warp lightning cannons. You won't. Oh yeah, that might be an issue. So <laughs> I don't think I can do any better than I've done paint wise. I, 
I was first place at the end of the year mm. on the rankings, and I won the Pain Masters. So which I'm not fitting. going to top that. <laughs> which is Sorry? fitting. Which is fitting. Which I think is great. Oh. Well, well, while you mentioned it, actually, we'll run that. We'll quickly run down how it, how everyone ended up. So we had, we had those twelve players. So you came in in first place um, with exactly a hundred. Um, tournament points so well done out of 150 so that was with your legion of night and that's how you run them most isn't the legion of night is that right yeah i actually wanted to run them as wraith fleet but then the legion and the gash book came out in month two or three of our campaign yeah and it actually made my army illegal i had this cool idea of doing the cryptus as a mongol and having a there was an item i think it was a sword of unholy power or something where you could auto summon a unit yes. back then yeah. you had to pay the points in advance but you didn't have to roll to cast a spell or anything. And it was, you know, in um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Davy Jones has the black spot. I remember And if you've been marked by the black spot, then the, the uh, Kraken would come and get you. And there's no escaping it. So I, I was going to use that item, call it the black spot, and then pick one of their characters and say, you've got the black spot, and then summon the Charybdis onto it. Yeah, and shout release the Kraken every time I did it. <laughs> cool, it's a really but, cool uh, idea. Couldn't do it in the end because the Wraith Fleet uh, army just didn't work with how the Legion and Gash book changed how armies were built. Yeah, Mongol went to Nighthorn and had to be an ally and stuff. It just didn't really work anymore. So yeah, they broke it all down. Um, so it was you in first place, and we had Tony Kirby who smashed the gaming side of things. Uh, second place with Iron Jaws, uh, Matt Arnold in third place with his Stormcasts. Chris with his Flesh Eaters in fourth. Mike Wilson in fifth with his Slanesh. John Green in sixth with his Grand Alliance Order. Actually, I just wanted to mention, you talked about the Wood Elf stuff. I still absolutely love his Fulminators with the um, the Wide Rider heads. So good. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the same heads I was mentioning. Yeah, absolutely love them. Um, seventh was Danny Cashman with his Ideneth Deepkin, uh, which he painted just for the event, which is great. Stephen Smith in eighth uh, with Stormcast again. He painted up some Celestar Blisters in Engineer. Filthmonger, love it. <laughs> Ninth place was Ben Smith with his Deepkin Army, who again I really like that. Some really, really good, some really good approach to colour schemes on that. Tenth, Paul Buckler, who I, I allowed him to play Gloom Spike Gits, um, didn't really help him much. Eleventh um, was Mike Burgess with Sylvaneth, and he painted up all the Ender spells and everything, so that was great to see. And twelfth place, Steve Wren flip flopped all around an awful lot, ended up bringing his Archeon Slanesh list, but unfortunately Archeon just needs that bit of a buff, really, doesn't he? So he ended up in last place um a lot a lot of filth at that event actually <laughs> the thing is as, as i've kind of said i enjoy doing the best on the game in there yeah, that's quite funny um but as i've said well, i can't say anything because i played i played iron jaws with my deepkin list um on saturday quite confident utterly smashed utterly yeah. they can just go ballistic and there's nothing you can do brilliant i was playing ben crow so cheers to the game um but again this is this is something i want to get across and it's something that i don't like all this I don't like all this fracturing we get, you know, within the scene. Like you go, right, you people over there, you're the painters. You people over there, you're the competitive ones. Oh, this event has best sports. How can we do best sports? How can we change what we're doing to get best sports? How can I convince my opponents to keep haranguing them to give me best game and best sports votes? I hate, I hate all that. Like it's all the same hobby, playing the games, doing, buying the models, putting them together, modeling them, getting them on the board being nice at the table, giving people good games. It's all the same hobby. We don't have to break it down. So I was very happy that the painting masters, there were people there with good armies that looked good because they're not mutually exclusive. The most competitive players don't just have shit looking armies. Some of them do. Some of them don't. 
some of the most narrative players in the in in the world have shit looking armies it's just everyone it's just all part of the hobby as far as i'm concerned so yeah, I, just, I, I hate the whole fracturing and breaking so something i've been trying to put across with the podcast ian's probably the worst example of it being the <laughs> least competitive person in the world with a beautiful army but one isn't mutually exclusive from the other that's back true. when i got into tournaments it was generally the top players that had the nicest armies because they're just more invested aren't they that's why they're doing well because they're invested in the hobby and that's why they've got nice armies, because that's, you know, that's what they're spending their time on. That's what Absolutely. they're putting their interest into. And they're funneling all their energy into that. And it always it rubs it, off in both areas. It always feels like where we get the extreme cases of that, it's always at certain events and it's certain players. And it, it, it has come up in the in the past with the Masters events, or we've had a team event famously. We had Haristo Nikoloff. Um, turning up with his bucket of bugs army you know he wanted a demon army didn't want to do anything with it he claimed his sand was painted on the base because he put a layer of pva glue over the top of it you know these are the extreme examples of it and it seems to be the case that this year at the masters that you know there's been some comments about the standard of dan's army which you know is what it is but it's the masters you you go to win that one right so you take whatever's strongest list and painting that amount of models in a short period of time is bloody difficult um yeah. so as i said they're the extreme examples but i think generally speaking there's definitely not this divide between people who do the hobby side and do the competitive gaming side it's it's all the same hobby i think as a group we we generally represent that Absolutely. like our, our local guys you got paul and chris and yourself you will do well on both sides consistently we so You've got Mike. And Mike as well. You've got Mike. Yeah. Got Rich Morley doesn't stop talking about death, you know, and, and does well. <laughs> you know, he, he he won the local league. You know, we've we've got people like um, we've got we've got Dave at club who's got a lovely Nurgle army and he's he's upping his game because he really wants to be doing well and he is doing well. You know, it's um, it, it's all part and parcel of it. You know, it's we, we hope I'm really looking forward to one of the chats from our club, James Everly, rocking up at Heat One in a couple of weeks with a. Uh, with a squiggle anch and boing grots all painted up and everything they'll just look cool and i think for me a big part of you know eighth edition fantasy i think it had to put a lot of work in to get the models looking decent like nowadays models are because we've got the 3d sculpting elements you can pull you know they pull all these details out everything's it's just they're just so nice to paint um they're just even just stormcast they're just nice straightforward models to paint the details really clear the scale's gone up on everything so by scale i mean everything's kind of true scale now um they're just much nicer much more interesting much more defined much better designed models and that pay that that pays dividends because you put them on the board your base coat and wash them maybe do some highlights and you have a great looking army and that's what made me hesitate earlier when you asked if i would use a a toy or you know other model again I was thinking, why would you? Because games actual models are just far and away the best. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. but things like I mean, still for me, like things that Mercer are putting out are just amazing. Like the like the the resin models, they've got some of the best sculptors in the world working on these models, and they are amazing. Their Manticore is still one of my absolute favorite. Uh, not Manticore, the Chimera, Chimera, where it's hunched down. It's it's yeah, yeah. absolutely phenomenal and it's not like um you know angel Garalda, someone who I, I i really like paints a lot of the infinity models what i'm seeing and something that's been thrown at mantic a lot nowadays is that you know people paint the mantic models and they use them as examples how they've been painted but it's 
it's almost like the painted detail on there. And you yeah. get like these Mercia models and this you you don't paint detail on those. That is the detail of the model. They literally look like they've jumped out, you know, the pages of like a D&D bestiary that's been drawn to the, you know, the nth degree. You know, they are that quality model. But they're not any easier to paint. Like the way that GW approach producing models now is spot on. I think they are, as I said, Stormcast are a great example. They are just great models to paint. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on. It's been really good to have you, and uh, we at least got one Nina from 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 Ian in the background, so the listeners won't be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll we'll do a catch up. Um, I think we might have some kind of initial ideas, maybe around Feck and Skaven, because I know I'm slightly tempted by Feck because of the bloody book. Um, but tweet out now that the the Shadow Realm Cryptora scheme they put in the book has, is appealing. Um, with like a pale torso and dark skin, and I've got a feeling you might be getting a bit scaveny, Ian. Yes, I've um, pre- I brought the book from um, Curtain, nice. so I'm swinging the way to me. I can hear you and... scratching around in the background, you see. Yes, yes, gnawing away at <laughs> various bits around my flat, um, and I'm keep on buying new kits to to make a warp lightning cannon. Mm. Um, but so, so just bought a load of random shit, hoping somehow it's going to meld together nicely. Fantastic. But I keep, currently, I keep on failing, so I need to buy some more. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's ongoing. But yes, what you Sky, keep failing? Uh, what putting models together or just? Well, I keep on buying things, just hoping they're going to be the right size, <laughs> and then and then they're not. I mean, so. is, that, is that what's happened with uh, your girlfriends in the past? They keep investing in you and going, oh no, he's just not the right size. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's too big. <laughs> <laughs> totally, not, totally not what's been happening. That's, that's brilliant. That's. Well, I, I think that's uh, that's a that's a great way to end the episode. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, <laughs> thanks again, boys. <laughs> Cheers, Aaron. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>
fire and can't stay warm The only secret to make it through Is to take what's in front of you The fear of death and the thrill of speed And all the lights in front of me Drive to the closest clue Faster till it disappears Tired to sleep. 